0: How many of you would like to have peace in your homes and lives? Would you raise your hand? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't just mean, I want your home to be strife and chaos-free. He said, I want you to have the, the highest good. I want you to experience the best, the highest good, because blessed are the peacemakers. And it doesn't mean that you're just hoping for the absence of bad, but a christ our home says, we are praying and seeking for the highest good in our home in our lives in our relationships we're going to work at being peacemakers you and I never look more like our heavenly father than when we forgive and we make peace because that's what he's done for us mom that one family is so strict they aren't even allowed to say hey watch your mouth
1: Church, church, church. All they do is go to church. Can't they miss just once?
0: They won't go to the movie
1: because they say there's bad stuff in it. What is wrong with them? We know people make fun of our family, but we can't worry about what people think. We're more concerned about what God
0: thinks. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Good morning. Take out your Bibles this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, it's on page four ninety two, or excuse me, 392 if you're using one of the Bibles provided. So your Bibles, your mobile devices, whatever you choose to use. I had someone recently ask me, said, is it okay if we use like our phones and iPads to, you know, look at the Bible and services? Is, is that okay, church? Yeah, of course it's okay, it's still the Bible. Um, We gotta remember that for thousands of years, believers didn't even have a a written copy of the word uh, before printing presses and stuff, and so whatever you use as your Bible is totally fine with us here. Today, we are finishing out our series called Bless This Home. Uh, It's been a very practical series for all of us. We're looking at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, They're called the Beatitudes. There's eight Beatitudes. Beatitude means blessings, and these are ways that we can be blessed, And we are particularly looking at how these apply to our homes and our families and how we can be blessed because unfortunately too many homes are not blessed today and we want to be blessed, amen? And so we're learning how to be blessed. This will be the last week of teaching. And then next Sunday, we're gonna take um, all three of our services and we're gonna answer your questions. I know a lot of you guys have already given us questions. Again, today, inside your newsletter, there's a little half sheet. If you have any questions about anything from this series, uh, fill that out, fold it up, drop in the offering bucket, we receive our gifts so we can answer your questions about this series. So it'll be very practical next week. If you've missed any of these messages, uh, you wanna make sure you see all of them. They've all been very practical, very well received. You can go to our website orchardchurch.tv Go to the message page, they're all on there So you can get caught up on any that you've missed Throughout this series we have been looking at a key thought We've talked about it every week It's kind of a paradigm shift for a lot of us And, and we're going to talk about it again today It's right there in your notes And you have it in your notes, it's on the screen I want you to say it with me together, let's say this We are not just a, okay, let's all say it, everybody Everybody not three of you, okay? We are not just a Christian home, we are a Christ-centered home. That is what we're striving for throughout this series on Blessed Home. We're not just trying to be a Christian home, we want to make sure we're a Christ-centered home. Now some of you may be saying, well, what's the difference, especially if you're new to this series? Well, a Christian home is, is, can be a home that's Christian in name only. It's kind of like cultural Christianity. Eight eight out of ten people in America claim to be Christian, and I think it's gotten to the point where, well, if I'm not a Buddhist or I'm not a Muslim, I'm not anything else, so I guess I'm a Christian. But when you look at their life, there's no real evidence that it lines up to the teachings and followings of Jesus Christ. It's Christian in name only. We're not trying to just be a Christian home, we're trying to be a, say it, Christ-centered home, and a Christ-centered home is a home where Jesus isn't just part of our life and part of our family, but He's at the heart of our life and family and everything we do. Jesus isn't somebody we just call on when we need help, you know, like He's a bellboy or Santa Claus. Jesus isn't somebody we just talk about, you know, when we go to church, you know, a couple times a year at Easter and Christmas, but there's real evidence that He is working in and through our lives on a daily basis and in and through our kids' lives and our home, and that it lines up with Scripture, When Jesus is the center of our homes and lives and we have Christ-centered lives and homes, it changes our values based on the word of God. It changes how we parent our kids based on God's word. It changes how we deal with finances in our life based upon God's word and how we treat other people like Jesus would treat other people and how we share our faith and that you know, we, we want other people in our sphere of influence to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It changes what we do with our time and how we serve God because he has given everything for us. That's the difference between being a Christian home and a Christ-centered home. And if we're going to be a Christ-centered home, here's today's key thought. You have it in your notes. If you are a Christ-centered home, you will be persecuted. Yay! Yay! Isn't that exciting? Aren't you guys glad you came to church to hear that today? This is the one you've all been waiting for. That if you want to be blessed and you want to be a Christ-centered home, you're going to be persecuted. Don't get real excited. We don't get real excited about that, do we? But we need to prepare for it. Because people who are trying to be Christ-centered and families are trying to be Christ-centered, there's going to come those times where we're mocked, we're ridiculed, we're made fun of, we're teased because we are trying to be Christ followers, Christ-centered homes. And I I don't know how this is gonna play out in your life or how it has played out, but have you ever noticed sometimes when people find out you're a Christian that they treat you differently? You know, they just treat you differently? Um, This has happened to me several times, especially when uh, I I go and play golf. I don't get to play very much anymore, but my father-in-law and I, we like to play golf together, and so sometimes the two of us will get paired up with two other guys. And uh, my father-in-law was, uh, you know, full-time pastor for some 40 years. He's still ministry today, our care pastor here. Uh, I've been a full-time vocational ministry going on 25 years. And we'll get paired up with two other guys, two other men to play golf. And I, I never tell them what I do. As a matter of fact, I try to keep it a secret as long as I can. Because as soon as they find out you're a pastor, they treat you differently. You know, I mean, I've even gone to such lengths that people ask me, what do you do? And I'm like, um, I help people in our community. Oh, well, how do you help them? I teach them. What do you teach them? Things that are true. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I go, because as soon as they find out you're a pastor, they're like, oh, and so I remember this happened a couple of times. We've been playing golf with a couple of guys, you know, and we'll tee off on of the first tee and one of them will hit a bad shot. And you know what happens next. Oh, what the, 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 you know, beep, 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 and all these, you know, F-bombs are coming out. And we just, you know, snicker, go on. And this happens, you know, three or four or five holes in a row. And then finally they'll get it out of us. So, so exactly what, what do you do? And I say, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor here in our community and we started a church called Orchard Church. And then immediately they're like, oh, what the, oh, I can't believe it. And oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, reverend. And I'm like, oh, don't call me reverend. I hate that. There's only one we should reverence, and it's not me. You know, and it changes, and they start treating you differently, and then the whole rest of the time, and every time, you know, they slip up, they're like, oh, sorry, and I'm like, it's okay, you know, and, and, and they treat you different. And, and that happens when we are Christ followers, when we're trying to be Christ-centered. As we think back over this series the last few weeks, in week one, we learned blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, right living, being right with God. And if you're trying to live right according to God's standards, at times people are going to mock you, they're going to make fun of you and tease you. Second week, we learned blessed are those who are pure in heart. And I think we'd all agree, we live in an impure world And we're trying to be pure in heart and pure in our actions. And sometimes when we do that, people go, what are you doing? That doesn't make sense. That's silly. They make fun of you. We learned last week, blessed are the peacemakers. We want to try to make peace and get along with people. And, you know, people say, what, you're just a doormat. You let people walk all over you. And what about your rights? And we say, well, you know, I'm trying to be a peacemaker. And we get ridiculed for that. And it all culminates in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, when it says this. Follow it with me. Blessed are those who are... Say it, church. Persecuted for righteousness' sake. There's that word again. Righteousness. Right with God. Right living. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. And say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are the persecuted for righteousness sake well what does it mean to be persecuted for righteousness what does it mean to be persecuted for being a christian is this something that just pastors experience on a golf course no it's for all believers who are trying to follow jesus and, and live christ-centered lives and christ-centered families and i don't know what it, what may cause it for you maybe you're a teenager maybe you're a single person And you're saying, you know what, I'm not gonna be like everybody else. I'm gonna save myself and my body for when I'm married in the covenant of marriage and that's what God designed. And people tease you and they ridicule and mock you and say, are you kidding? I mean, come on, this is 2014, you know? It's try before you buy, what's your problem? And they mock you and tease you for that, but blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Maybe you have to say no to some wild parties or venues because you know the things that are gonna happen there would not be God honoring and you might find yourself participating in those things that be, would not be God honoring and people give you a hard time and what's your you know, problem? And you're persecuted in that way. Maybe you're a family and that you're so crazy that you won't allow your kid to play in a sports league Because in that league, you you and your kid would miss church for like three months in a row because all the games are on Sunday. And you're so crazy that you're going to find a different league that doesn't play on Sundays because your church is a priority to you and God is a priority to you. And you're so crazy. People are like, I can't believe you're not putting your kid in this league. I mean, don't you know they got to be on the travel team and they're never going to make it in high school if they're not prepared. I mean, don't you care about your four-year-old's future? (laughs) And we laugh. But people do that. I've mentioned our son, Caleb. He's graduating next Friday here from Prairie View High School. And he's been an athlete all of his life. And he plays baseball. And I remember when he was growing up before he got into high school. And he got invited to play on many traveling, elite, all-star type teams. But we would look at it and he would have been out of church for like three, four months at a time. And we would have had to not be there. And that's really hard when you're a pastor and we didn't want him to miss either. And so we said, no, you know, we're, we're going to wait because thankfully high school don't play on Sunday and we put him in other leagues that played through the week or played on Saturday and we, we just wouldn't commit to that. And people teased us and gave us a hard time and, oh, come on, what's your problem? I think it turned out okay though. I think God blessed our decision and Caleb's decision because he... Made the varsity team as a freshman. He started, and he started and played for all four years on the varsity team. He's made all conference three years in a row. And this year, he broke the state record for stolen bases in a season, and he's going to play in college. I think God took care of that. I think it worked out okay that we made a decision to put God first and not do what everybody else was doing. For some of you, maybe it's that you serve God, but things aren't going so well in your life. And all hell seems to be breaking loose. And now people in your sphere of influence that knows that you're a Christian, they're saying, oh, where's your God now? Where's your God now in all this? But you know that God's in control. If you're a Christ-centered person and you want to have a Christ-centered home, you will be persecuted. We'll be persecuted. So if we know we're gonna be persecuted and blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, how do we get ready for that? How do we prepare for that persecution. I want to give you three thoughts this morning that will prepare you and your family and build your faith. What to do when we're persecuted. Three simple thoughts. Number one, expect it. Just expect it. If you're going to have a Christ-centered family, expect it. Paul said in Timothy 3.12, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer what, church? Persecution. Notice he said everyone not some people not a few people he said everyone who wants to live a godly life be really christ centered not just christian in name only you're going to suffer persecution because that's what happens in christ-centered homes because we're different it costs us something people criticize us they ridicule us at times and we just need to expect it jesus said it was going to happen paul said it was going to happen And again, I don't know what that's going to look like for you. Maybe you get the family together at Thanksgiving for a meal and not everybody in your family is a believer. And you say, well, in our house, you know, we pray before our meal and you get the laughs and the snickers, you know, and and jeers over that. Maybe you, you put verses on your Facebook page. You talk about what God's doing in your life and people laugh at you and, at you and tease you for that. Uh, maybe you're reading your Bible at Starbucks and somebody gives you a funny look or goes, why are you doing that? Uh, maybe you're not, an, you're not invited to all the parties because people know that you're a Christian and, and, and know that you wouldn't feel comfortable in that environment. Maybe you're overlooked at work for a promotion because you're a Christian. You can't prove it but You know that because you're a Christian, maybe your boss isn't, you get overlooked and you don't get promoted. It comes in all different shapes and sizes, the persecution. But whatever the persecution may look like for you and I, we got to expect it. We expect it. And and not only should we expect it, but let me say this to parents, those of you who are parents of of especially younger children, I think it's important that we expose our children to small doses of of persecution as Christians when they're young so that it prepares them for the real world when they get out of your house because we all know what the real world is like right not everybody's going to pat you on the back and cheer for you because you're a Christian and you're a Christ follower in your neighborhood in your workplaces in college and that's one of the things that we've tried to do with our kids is to prepare them to expect persecution and what we've learned is that When your kids have some small doses of persecution, it actually can strengthen their faith and make them stronger in what they stand for and what they believe. Do you believe that, church? That can actually be a positive thing. That's one of the things that we've loved about Caleb going to Prairie View High School. He's getting ready to graduate next Friday. He's been in a public school for four years. We had a lady just recently, and and she meant well when she asked this. She asked Shelly, she said, now isn't Caleb going off to a secular college to play baseball next year? And she said, yeah. She said, oh aren't you worried about that? You know, going off to a secular college and in the real world and Shelly kind of chuckled and said, no, I'm not worried about that. He's been in a public high school for four years. You don't think that he's faced some persecution and ridicule and some temptations? If he was gonna, you know, go off the deep end, it probably would have already happened. It has prepared him. And not only has it prepared him, but it's, I think it's strengthened him in his walk with the Lord and what he stands for. And one piece of evidence that we have of that is this week, Caleb brought home his senior year Prairie View High School yearbook. And one of the things they do every year is they ask the seniors, what is your favorite quote? And then they put them throughout the yearbook. I want to show you what is on the first full page of the Prairie View High School yearbook that just came out this week. That's Caleb with some of his buddies. He's there in color. And on the left is his quote, and it says this, your talent is God's gift to you, and what you do with it is your gift back to God. Caleb Dameron, Class of 2014. First full page of the Prairie View High School yearbook. Is that awesome or what? God always finds his way in. And it helped him. I remember when, when our daughter, Caitlin, we call her Missy, when she was in first grade, and she was in one of the public schools here in our community, and my wife, Shelly, got a phone call from her first grade teacher. and She said, oh, we love Missy. She's so much fun to have in her class and all this, but, but there's something that she needs to stop doing. And we thought it was talking in class. She gets that from her dad. And she said, well, no, she said uh, she, uh, during recess, is uh, reading her Bible. But, and, and that would be okay, but not only is she reading her Bible, but she's conducting a Bible study. And, and not only that, she said she's preaching to the kids during recess from her Bible. Yes, that's my girl. And she said she can't do that. And Shelly said, well, uh, I, I know that you think she can't do that, but you might want to check your laws because during recess on free time, she can do that. The kids don't have to listen. I you know she can't do it during class time. And teacher checked laws. She's like, oh, you're right. And, 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 you know, of course, Missy didn't understand why would anybody question me bringing my Bible to school and reading my Bible. And we said, well, that's part of persecution. Not everybody's going to like that we're Christians. Just expect it. And, and it's helped prepare our kids for the reality. I know we would all admit that persecution in the United States is very light compared to most of the world. But I would say this, there is a growing hostility toward Christ followers in the U.S., and ridicule and persecution and mocking is not going to get better, it's going to get worse. The closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ, it's going to get harder and harder, and the heat is going to be turned up, and maybe we're going to start experiencing some of the things they do in the rest of the world we'll talk about in a moment, because our values are different. And Jesus said, you just got to expect it. Jesus said in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you're no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. How do we prepare for persecution? We expect it. Because blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. We expect it. Number two, not only do we prepare by expecting it, but we endure it. We expect it and we endure it. We endure it when it comes. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.12, being reviled, persecuted, you know, or, or, or ridiculed, we bless. That's how we respond as Christians. Being persecuted, we do what? We say it, church, we endure it, Paul said. When we're persecuted, we endure it. We don't retaliate when we're persecuted. We do what Jesus did on the cross when he was persecuted, with the ultimate persecution of his death. And what did he do when he was on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And when we're persecuted because we expect it and we're going to endure it when it comes, we don't whine about it. Oh, I can't
1: believe this happened to me. My friend on Facebook defriended me
0: because I'm a Christian. What am I going to do? I'm one less Facebook friend. No, we expect it. We endure it. When we, we make a choice to go on a mission trip instead of go on vacation and people say, you're crazy, why would you do that? That's silly. We endure it. When, when ladies, when people laugh and, and mock you because you dress modestly instead of like you're gonna go work the street corner and they make fun of you and tease you, you endure it. When people criticize you because you sacrifice to get out of debt and you're not gonna drive the same car everybody else is or maybe live in the same house right now because you're trying to get out of debt because you know what God's word says about debt, that the, that the borrower is slave to the lender and you don't wanna be a slave and you don't wanna be in bondage and you don't wanna be like everybody else because you know what everybody else is? broke and in debt and when people tease you and ridicule you because you make financial decisions differently than everybody else you endure it you endure it when you take time to spend time with another believer called discipleship and pour your life into their life when you have people over to your house and host a small group or you take time out of your week to go to a small group to be with other believers and people say why would you waste your time doing that kind of stuff you endure it because blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, blessed, and we want to be blessed. I remember when I um, was at the University of Oklahoma for four years before I went to Bible college, and some of you know my testimony. That was in a time of my life where I was kind of running from the Lord. I wasn't doing what I should be. I, I was supposed to be going into ministry, and I wasn't. And um, I remember I, I was uh, when I was at OU. I was um, I was on the plan where you crammed four years into five years some of you know that plan so I was working really hard to get those four years into five years to graduate and I'd gone through four years at University of Oklahoma but I needed to go back one more year to finish up and and get my full degree and everything and it was that summer that I had a friend get me back in church and God convicted me that I'd been running from God and I wasn't in Bible college like I was supposed to be, and I had a big decision to make. Am I going to go back and finish my, senior, you know, one more year as a fifth-year senior, or am I going to go to Bible college and do what God called me to do? And I made the difficult decision. I said, you know what? I'm, I have ran long enough. I've wasted enough time. I'm going to Bible college. I'm doing what God called me to do. And I remember many of my friends, or so-called friends, Man, they gave me a hard time. They ridiculed me. They teased me. They made fun of me. They said, what are you doing? You're crazy. This doesn't make sense. I had teachers there. What are you doing? But I endured it. I endured it because I knew it's what God wanted me to do. You see, persecution has a way of deepening our faith in Jesus Christ. It reminds us that we aren't living for the approval of everybody else. We're living for the approval of God. And that's what persecution does, and we endure it. And as I said, persecution in the United States is so light compared to a lot of places in this world. And I got a little video clip I want to show you guys. It's just a couple of minutes to just give you a glimpse of some of the severe persecution that Christians are having to endure around the world today.
1: My father in this world left me, but my father in heaven will never leave me.
0: I, I love, love my parents, parents so
1: much. much. I, I want, want them, them to know, know that I'm praying that the Lord will open their hearts and minds. I would I like to send a message to my dad. dad. You, you say, say you want to kill me, to shed my blood in the public. Uh, no matter what decision you make, I forgive you. There are two ways when the government finds out someone is a Christian. There is execution.
0: And number two, when a Christian gives up their religion, they are sent to the countryside to political concentration camps.
1: If, if they found me praying, praying or encouraging my, my friends in Christ, they will take me and put me in prison. They try to force us to deny our faith and beat us when we refuse. They have threatened us, saying, saying that India, India belongs, belongs to Hindus. Christians do not belong here. Christians they make slogan, Christians have to move
0: from, from this village, otherwise we will kill. kill. They warned us that if we rebuilt the churches, they They would kill us. They would break our body into pieces, just like they broke our church into pieces.
1: pieces. We are asking the Lord to give us more boldness, to give give us the strength strength to bear His His name, and to stand stand strong in in the face of the terrible persecution. They cannot burn Christ and and the church from from our hearts. We are in God's I have, I have the, the Holy Spirit, Spirit inside me, inside and, and He gives me gives the, the strength, strength not to be afraid. It was really hard, but praise God, God took everything. My faith is never shaken. I, 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 I know that in all situations, God is with me. I will always, always trust God, who gives me another new life. Always, always, God will be prepared. God has strengthened me. He has, he has made, me made me bold. I, I cannot, cannot stop. I, I must continue, continue this. Because Because I was chosen chosen by by God God for this world. We want want people around the world to pray for us. We want want people to speak out on our behalf so that that we we can can have the the freedom freedom to practice practice our faith.
0: And we do need to pray for those people, amen? And, and, And understand that if they can endure that kind of persecution, where they'll be willing to beat you and stone you to death and put you into prison and take your life, I think we can endure the light persecution that most of us experience here in the United States. So as we're trying to be Christ-centered homes, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. We need to expect it. We need to endure it. And then let me give you a third word. We need to embrace it. And that might seem strange to you, but we actually need to embrace it Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12, he was addressing some persecuted Christians. And they were experiencing persecution unlike anything that we can fathom today. During Peter's time, they would take Christians and they would put them in the Roman Colosseum. And they would let them run around and they would take lions and they would let them loose from their cages to chase down the Christians, attack them and devour them as the cheers from the crowd would come from the stadium. They would take Christians and they would pour tar over their body and they would bind them to a stake and they would light them on fire and that would provide the light for the games in the Colosseum. And in light of that type of persecution, Peter writes to them in 1 Peter 4.12 and he says this, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. What's he saying? Expect it. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. You're suffering a little bit like what Christ suffered for you. So be, what's the next word? Happy, this is a hard one. Be happy when you are insulted for being a Christian. Why? For then the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. You know you are living a Christ-centered life, not just a Christian life in name only. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. But rather, we do what? Church, say it with me. We praise God. We praise God for the privilege of being called by His name, and the privilege to suffer persecution at times for being a follower of Christ. So, not only do we expect it, not only do we endure it, but we actually embrace it, and we thank God for it, and we praise God for it. It shows that our faith is real and it's it's genuine. And so when friends at work or at school make fun of you, when you pray before your meal, you praise God for that. You know, after the big game, when all the guys want to go out to the bootylicious bunny barn, and you say, nope, no, nope, I don't think that's a good idea, that wouldn't be honoring to my wife, that wouldn't be honoring to my future wife, that wouldn't be honoring to God, the game was great, but I'm going to go home, and they tease you and they make fun of you and go, come on, all of us are doing it, it's, it, it's not going to hurt you, you praise God. When you're ridiculed for that. When you say no to a profitable business transaction, a deal, but yet you know that there's something about it that's unethical. You, you know that it, there's something about it that's dishonest and you say no to that and your colleagues say, well, come on, everybody does that in this line of business. Everybody fudges a little bit. Nobody's going to see and you say, no, God sees. And you know what? I'm going to trust God that he's going to bless me more by doing things ethically than not doing them ethically. And even if he doesn't, I'm still gonna praise God. Amen? And you praise God. Because blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And we praise God for it, and we embrace it. And let me tell you, families, here's one reason why it's important that we embrace it. Because persecution has a way of uniting your family. It unites your family. It brings strength and identity for those who, who are followers of Jesus Christ. Being who God called us to be. It brings strength and it brings great identity to our lives and to our families. And this is very important and very practical. We teach this sometimes in, in parenting and in family classes and you have it in your notes. And I want you to get it and then let me explain it. Here's the deal. When family identity is weak, peer pressure is strong. But when family identity is strong, peer pressure is weak. What do I mean by that? When you know who you are and your kids know who you are, that you are living Christ-centered lives and you're Christ followers and there's some things we say no to and there's some things we say yes to based upon God's word, that brings strength and identity to your family and to your kids. Because when you know who you are, you know what to do. And when you don't know who you are, you don't know what to do and you go here and you go there and you try this and you try that and you're all over the place. If that makes sense, say yes. And so it brings great strength and identity when you know who you are. And persecution breeds strength and identity in your home and with your kids and how they live their lives and who they are. And let me say this. Some of you, let me remind you, you you may think that you're doing something wrong right now because there's opposition all around you. And you're like, where is God right now in all this? And may I remind you that things may be going wrong in your life and in your family not because you're doing something wrong but because you're doing things right. Because you're trying to follow God and you're trying to follow Christ and sometimes persecution comes and we embrace that when it comes. And it brings identity and strength to our family. And we know who we are and we know what we stand for. You know, it's been said when you Don't live for something, you'll fall for anything. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And persecution ch- forces you to make a choice. Who are we? What do we stand for? What's important to us? We had something that really, really cool that happened. It was a really meaningful time in the life of our church, in the life of our family. It happened several years ago. Some of you will remember this, some of you may, may not, but we were, at that time, we were one service. We were about a couple hundred people and you know we didn't have a building we didn't have a sign out in front of the school at that time that we had purchased and all that and we wanted to get um, our name out in the community so we could get people to come to Prairie View High School know that we're meeting here and they can hear the gospel and hear the word of God and so we decided uh, to to put up a billboard our first billboard and we were like well we really want to make a splash and something that people will remember and it'll get their attention And so, some of you remember this. Uh, This is what we came up with. How many of y'all remember this billboard in our community? Some of you do? Yeah, it said, uh, boycott the Orchard Church, signed Satan. And man, I mean, it stopped cars. It got, that week, we had like a thousand hits on our website in like two days. It made such a splash in our community, got so much attention, nine news came out and did a story about our billboard. And interviewed, you know, why'd you do this and all that. And it was creative and all that kind of deal. And then they posted it on their website on Nine News. Well, underneath the post of the story, people are able to make comments. And there were a lot of people, you know, that were saying, oh, that's really cool. That's really clever. They really liked it. But not everybody liked it. Not everybody liked it at all. As a matter of fact, there were some people that really started ridiculing us and making fun of us and giving us a hard time about it. And then some of them started attacking me The pastor of the church. And they said, oh, I bet that's some big mega church. And the pastor lives in a million dollar house and drives a Mercedes. And thankfully some people in our church, you know, kind of stood up for me. And they said, he lives in my neighborhood. He drives a truck, you know. And it kind of calmed things down. And our kids got wind of this and we shared it with our kids. And I wasn't real sure, well, how are our kids going to respond to this ridicule on their dad and our church and all of that. And, And I never forget how they responded. They were like, the devil's just mad. Satan's just mad because we're reaching people. We need to put up more billboards, dad. We need to reach more people for Jesus, dad. And it was the coolest thing because they knew who they were. They knew their identity. And they understood that persecution is just part of the Christian life. It didn't make them weaker. It made them stronger because blessed are those who persecuted for righteousness' sake. We started this series by asking the question, do you wanna be blessed? And I'll ask it again as we close the teaching portion of this session and we'll answer questions next week. Do you wanna be blessed? One of the ways is blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. And, l- and let, me, let me say this as loving as I can. Listen, Christian families, Christ-centered families, don't worry when your family is being persecuted for righteousness. Don't worry. Here's when you should worry. When you're not. When you're not. Because if you're not ever being persecuted for leading Christ-centered lives, if you're not in any way, it might just be possible that you're Christian in name only. Christ-centered people are persecuted. It's going to happen. And so, listen, families, you want to be Christ-centered. When your kids, you know, ask you things like, you know, what, what are we about, mom and dad? What really gets us most excited? What do we live for? Well, kids, we live for the big game. Yeah. We're going to the big game. Yeah. Mom and dad, what are we all about? What, 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 what's our real focus? Going to the lake. Yeah. We get to go to the lake. We're about... Granite countertops. Yeah. Yes. We're all about vacation. Woo. Vacation. Yeah. Or do you, your kids understand games are great. Going to the lake's great. Vacation's great. Countertops, granite, those are even nice. But that's not what we want to be known for. That's not what we're really about. You know what gets us most excited? Jesus. We're about Jesus, amen? We love Jesus. That's what we really want to be known for. We want to be known for Jesus, that we love Jesus, that we follow Jesus. We're about his kingdom, we're about his purposes, we're about his plans for our life, and we're about making a difference in this world. And that's what we're most excited about. And when we we are, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And when we're persecuted, we expect it, we endure it, and we embrace it. We're not just trying to be a Christian home. We're trying to be a Christ-centered home. And when we are, we can truly say, God bless this home. God bless this home. God bless our home. God bless my home. God bless our home. Would you pray with me? With heads bowed, eyes closed for prayer, and an attitude of prayer. If you're here today and you've been here with, with us for part of this series or all of this series and you'd say, you know what? If I'm honest, I think at times I fall into cultural Christianity rather than Christ-centered Christianity. And God has challenged me in one way or another I don't wanna just be Christian in name only. I wanna truly be Christ-centered. I want my ha- home, my family, my kids to be Christ-centered and God has spoken to me about that and some decisions I need to make and some changes I need to make. Can I pray for you Christians all across this auditorium? Would you slip up your hand for prayer if that's you? God has spoken to you in that way in one way or another throughout this series. He's challenged you. Lift them up high. Lift them up in every section. God bless you. God bless you. Hands are everywhere. I want to make sure my home and my family is Christ-centered. You can put them down maybe you're here today and you'd say you know what we're trying to live christ-centered lives but we're being persecuted right now we don't get it we don't understand it but i i I needed to hear this message today help me to understand i need to expect it i need to endure it i even need to embrace it and praise god for it and and, and help me to have that right attitude and mindset based on the teaching today we're going through a hard time we're going through difficulty in our family and we're going to keep our perspective and focus on the right thing when it comes to persecution. Can I pray for any of you like that today? Would you slip up your hands? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands in every section. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that you would help us to have the right perspective and attitude toward persecution when it comes. That we would expect it, we would endure it, and we'd even embrace it and praise you for it. That we have an opportunity to know that we're truly Christ-centered and Christ followers, not just in name only. That we have an opportunity to suffer just a little bit for the one who suffered for us. And Lord, those who are going through difficulty and challenges and trials in their life and persecution in that way, God, I pray that they would would praise you, they would look to you, they would be strengthened in their identity and their faith and their walk with you. May you bless our homes as we put these beatitudes into practice and we live them out. And the heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen. Jesus is never going to ask you to do something that he hasn't done for you. And he was persecuted with the ultimate persecution. He went to the cross and he died for you. But before he went to the cross, he was falsely accused, he was arrested, he was spat upon, he was beaten, he was mocked, he was ridiculed. A crown of thorns was placed upon his head to mock him as a king. The Bible says he was beaten to the point that He wasn't even recognizable as a man. That's what kind of persecution he took for you and I. And if that wasn't enough, they nailed him to a cross, put nails in his feet and his hands, and they hung him there until he breathed his last breath and he gave up his spirit to his father. And then they came by and they put a spear in his side just to make sure. And he did all that to provide our salvation, our forgiveness, our eternal everlasting life. Why would you not accept that? I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now where you sit. I want to lead you in a prayer of faith that you can pray from your heart to God's right now. I'll tell you, it's not a magic prayer. It's not magic words. But if you put faith and belief behind this prayer, and you mean it, Jesus Christ will come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll give you eternal life. And He'll walk with you through life and everything you face. So if you're ready to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, would you pray this prayer with me from your heart to God's right now and mean it? It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you were persecuted for me. That you died for me to pay for my sins. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Jesus, be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and forgiving me. Thank you. Thank you. Well, heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody but myself looking around for just a moment. If you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I want to pray for you personally. I want to pray for you and your decision, and I want to pray for you as you walk with Jesus and get to know him better in the days ahead. Would you just slip up your hand right now? where you said if you accepted Jesus and you prayed that prayer. God bless you, young lady. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you, young man. Anyone else? Just slip up your hand. Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith. I meant it. I invited Jesus into my life today. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just slip it up so I can see it and put it down. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I, I, I rejoice and we celebrate in those who are putting their faith and trust in you for the first time today. I pray they grow in their relationship with you in the days ahead. As a church, we come alongside of them, disciple them, help them to grow to maturity in their walk with you. And Lord, I, we all thank you that you were persecuted for our sins, to die for us, that we might have eternal life. You died for us so we could live for you. Lord, we don't want to just be Christian homes in name only. We want to be Christ-centered homes. We don't want you, God, to just be part of our life. We want you to be at the heart of our life, to guide and direct our lives and our families. And Lord, we know that then we will be blessed. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. May we live in the reality of your blessings. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate decisions for Christ? Amen. If you made a decision to accept Christ today and you raised your hand, please let us know about that. You can check the box on the connection card, drop it in the offering bucket and we we'll receive our gifts in just a moment so we can continue to pray for you. Uh, give us your mailing address. We're going to send you a little book called Seven Steps of Joy. It'll help you in your journey and your walk with Christ. If you're a first-time guest today, we're thrilled that you joined us uh, here in this service. Next week, we'll be answering questions based on the series. It's going to be awesome. If you are a first-time guest and you filled out your connection card, please drop, drop that in the offering bucket as we receive our gifts so going send you a little thank you note and a coupon for the Chick Fil A sandwich in the mail, and uh, just thank you for being our guest today. You don't want to miss next week as we answer your questions. If you have questions, drop those in as well. A couple of weeks ago, we had a baptismal service uh, here at Orchard Church. Well, actually, we had it at the Hampton Inn in Brighton. We don't have any water here, so we go over there. We uh, baptism is where people who put their faith and trust in Jesus and made that decision, uh, like some did this morning, and then they follow the Lord. And believers' baptism it is their outward display of their faith uh, based on the inward decision they've. Made it doesn't save them it doesn't forgive them it's the symbol though that they put their faith and trust in Christ We had 18 people uh, baptized two weeks ago and so yeah it was awesome and uh, you're going to see 18 people baptized in about two minutes right now as we receive our gifts soon as the video's done you can be dismissed have an awesome week I bless you guys for being here <laughs> As a public display of your personal faith in Jesus Christ, and obedience to His command, and I baptize you, my sister, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Very polite to His death. Praise the light.
1: Your love like Filling all the world with light You're making everyone